Hey friends, and welcome to Subculture Presents The Hive Podcast. The Hive Podcast is a place for the diverse voices on the subculture team to speak about topics that interest them, topics they're passionate about, and topics related to the world of black college students. You'll find something for everybody here, whether it's Bible study, segments on news, politics, culture, religion, music, theology, everything in between. Make sure that you like, comment, and rate the podcast to help us clear a path for black college students. And once again, welcome to to the hive. Hey guys, it's your host, Catherine Merriweather here. You're listening to Snippets on the Hive, a subculture incorporated podcast, the show that brings you interviews our staff have been invited to participate in. Let's take a listen. This week, we eavesdrop on Tamise as she talks about sharing her faith on the Conversation Starters podcast. Faith sharing, balancing authenticity with responsibility. Today's Conversation Starter will take a deeper look into the heart and nuances of Christian faith sharing. One of the key components and byproducts of believing in the faith of Jesus Christ is testifying or sharing your faith with others. As the person and message of Jesus the Christ in and of itself is offensive by nature, the sharing of one's faith most often is problematic and difficult to navigate for many followers. Here with me today to tackle this subject matter is Tamise Hasty Spencer. Welcome, Tamise. What's going on? What's going on? Tamise and I met a while back engaging in local missionaries, engaging as local missionaries several years ago. Since then, Tamise has continued exercising her passion for Christ in the form of a young adult and college campus minister. She currently resides in Virginia alongside her husband and growing little tot. And she's not juggling the two. She's finishing up a dual degree, and that's a master's degree in divinity and evangelism and leadership, as well as running a faith-based nonprofit organization that provides support for ministry leaders and college students. Woo! With all that said, first off, thanks for the calendar squeeze to me. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime you hit me up, I'm going to be there for sure. Awesome. Well, so before we jump in, tell us a little bit more about your nonprofit organization that I just spoke of. Yeah, so Subculture was kind of started out of some dissonance I felt doing campus ministry. And um, you just mentioned kind of the years I had with that. One of the hardest parts was not being able to serve students in more practical ways. So I felt like when we were trying to communicate the gospel to them, it was very theoretical and it didn't have a lot of practical implications, which it seemed like to me that the barriers they faced to being open to the gospel had a lot to do with the barriers they faced in life and in staying in school. And so try to develop subculture as a way to kind of come alongside ministries who are doing a great job on campus with sharing the gospel and try to come up with some practical ways to resource those ministries and come alongside and kind of kind of share a gospel that's more comprehensive for students. Um, And so we're trying to do that. We just got started. We got some great partners behind us, but we're out here trying to get these these funds so that we can can come alongside these ministries and give scholarships uh, to students who are in crisis. Wonderful. How can people contact you? Yeah, they can go to subcultureinc.org. That's our main site. And on there, you can just click a button and it'll let you email me directly. 
Fantastic. Well, let's just jump right into it. You know, sure, the topic of discussion, of course, as I mentioned earlier, is faith sharing. And yeah. just kind of want to talk about just your experiences. Obviously, you're the woman to, to talk to about this sort of thing because you, <laughs> you've been in the trenches for a large number of years. And so I just want to start off by asking you, just on a, a real basic level as a person in the faith, as believers in Christ, what is our charge? What is our responsibility as it relates to the sharing of our faith? I really like the passage that talks about providing, you know, a defense for our hope. Um, and I think a lot of times we we steer in the direction of providing a defense for our ideas <laughs> as, a, as opposed to like providing a defense for our hope. And if there's anything that I think people need, especially today, it's... Um, it's hope. And so I, I love that the charge for us is to be clear and to be, you know, um, to speak into the potency and the uniqueness of Christ, but in a way that affirms um, that he is a cause for hope and in the midst of a really tumultuous time here. It's, it's getting rough out here for us. And so I think for me, when I'm thinking about sharing the gospel, I try to sort of assess um, the hopelessness in the person I'm talking with um, and then sort of kind of, you know, try to finesse a way to put Jesus in there somehow. So that's kind of what I'm up to. That's good. I like how you take uh, a little bit of yourself, not a little bit, really your entire self, your holistic self, and you bring that to the table as it pertains to your faith sharing. I think a lot of us try to turn that off and kind of yeah. put on this other mantra or persona uh, when yeah. we decide to share our faith. And so with that said, I want to ask you, you know, it, you know, is faith sharing monolithic? Meaning, mm -hmm. does, is it all supposed to look and sound the same? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I mean, I don't think so, right? Like, you know, you think about what Hebrew says that in many times and in various ways, God spoke. And now he speaks to us through his son. But his son, like we are the body of his son. And that's different shapes and sizes and colors and experiences. And like one of the things that I'm really interested in is hood culture and hip hop culture. And, you know, what is the good news in these places? I think, you know, oftentimes when you're reading books about discipleship or hearing talks on evangelism, um, it's very clear that that group of people is not on the mind of the speaker or the author. And so, um, but I think that hip hop has been so influential in society that it baffles me why there's not more focus giving to how do we engage this community and what are the things that matter to them and what does hope and good news look like in these um, situations. And so um, to me, like, I hope not, right? Because I, I mean, I couldn't have heard the same gospel as probably the person down the road. And, um, you know, I think about, uh, I used to have this joke of my friends, they listened to, uh, I can't remember, but he was this Christian rapper from like the 80s and the 90s, Carmen. Ah. And um, yeah, and uh, I remember saying, man, I'm glad I got saved when I got saved because I couldn't have rocked with no, <laughs> ah. like I came in with the, you know, the jars of clay and all of that. So, <laughs> so, you know, like, I mean, I needed to hear a gospel that hit me where I was and answer my unique questions. And I think um, the beauty of that is that you have to have conversations with the spirit in order to be able to do that. Yeah, so I think it's fun. I don't feel the pressure to like convert people. So once you remove that pressure, it just becomes really fun to talk about somebody you love a lot, you know, just like anything else. 
I love how you put that last part. It just really is an impression or an expression of who and what the work is, is going on inside of you. And you're just really having a regular conversation. Absolutely. One of the, the biggest hurdles that I think Christian believers face when it comes to faith sharing, though, talking about that change, that transformation that's happening within them, when they share their faith with non-believers, is kind of living out that tension between mm-hmm. authenticity, i.e. like being human, being fallible, yeah being transparent and being an example of a transformed life that reflects true Christ change and impact as it pertains to holiness and purity. So, you know, I've often even found myself in the midst of developing friendships with those outside the faith of Christ and wanting to share my, you know, fleshly moments, the times Mm -hmm. when I've screwed up, messed up or whatever Mm -hmm. with them, but then also constantly checking myself to see, is this something that I'm sharing that will bring them closer to Christ or away from it. And I'm constantly wondering if I'm being a responsible testimony or witness sharing these sort of fleshly or simple acts with non-believers, but but at the same time, trying to be transparent and authentic with them. So tell us a little bit about that tension. Man, that's a, oh, wow. That's a really deep question. While you're talking though, I felt like uh, I was seeing this picture and I've been thinking about this a little bit, but um, thinking about when they came and arrested Jesus, and how in the midst of that, you know, Peter has this dagger and he slices Malchus's ear off. And this is like the end of Jesus' ministry. Peter was one of the first people Jesus messed with. And so this whole three year, three and a half ministry, Peter's got this like strap the whole time. right? And uh, we see Peter making dumb decisions, great decisions. He's like declaring the truth about Jesus's identity with a machete and he's not even had it worked out of him that he would slice, he would cut somebody that came for Jesus. Right. I think that that's a beautiful picture of what it means for us. Like we can be ardently in love with Jesus and still have fleshy moments and still even think that like the ways that, that our love for Jesus expresses itself sometimes can be hurtful to people. And I think, you know, in either situation, whether I'm, you know, articulating something beautiful or whether I'm like royally screwing up, um, both of those moments can be moments that draw people to Jesus if I'm just real and honest in the midst of those things, right? And I think that's the beauty of being like in Christ. It's not so much that I feel like I've arrived. It just feels like more like Like I've relinquished (laughs) the lie that I know myself. I've relinquished the lie that that I'm amazing. I've relinquished the lie that I'm horrible. I mean, I'm kind of walking this tension of like, God's crazy about me for some reason, and I don't even have to figure it out. But since that's true, this is what I'm going to do about it, right? And it's a a whole different way to live. And I think whether you're a Christian who's like kind of religious or whether you're a humanist, a secular humanist, like I think that the, the hardest thing about the gospel is that it delivers you from you. And a lot of times we don't really want to be delivered from us. We think we know better or we don't trust. And like, man, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but like, especially with this election season and some of the politics and the vitriol, like Christians can be some of the most scared people (laughs) and insecure people and not insecure. Like, do I look cute in this? But more like, where's my security? Like, is it going to be if I keep all these people out? Or, you know, if I separate myself from this group of people, and what about my money? And what about this? And who's going to take that? And like, these sort of ways that we're vying for security, it's sad. And so we have an opportunity to repent of that, I think, nationally. But I think being a Christian is not about having it together, which we all know, but we don't believe it. 
Um, and I think we do ourselves a disservice and we do people who are on looking a disservice when we try to act like that. So I feel like for me, <laughs> you know, even just kind of walking with you for some time there, like we're both figuring out what is this tension that we live in um, as Christians. And part of the tension is just accepting the tension. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think also, um, as you're talking, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And another thought came to my mind about responsible faith sharing as it pertains yeah. to not glorifying sure. a sin when you're sharing right. off an authentic moment. But sure. it's kind of that notion of not what you say, but how you say it and the purpose yeah. of what you're saying. Yeah. So you can be authentic and transparent yeah. and revealing a very, very real and human moment with someone Absolutely. who's a non-believer, but it's unto a purpose. Yeah. And that purpose is unto sharing the realness yeah. of the work that Christ is doing in you. Yeah. And yeah. so I think that's the tension, like you said, recognizing that and being yeah. okay with it, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. That yeah. tension of saying, you know, I don't know how this is going to be received, but my intent yeah. in sharing this and being human and transparent sure. and, and authentic with people is unto to me a good motivation which is yeah. the, sh the sharing of what the work of the life of christ is doing within that's me it's good, that's good. You know, it sounds kind of like that that that's what you're saying and so yeah. as i as i'm sitting here i'm also wondering we often are a little bit more transparent and authentic as i would say in the house right mm -hmm. within the body of christ when we're in small groups or church or within mm -hmm. our, our our group of individuals that are in mm -hmm. our community versus individuals we may kind of put on a little bit yeah. different persona feel as though we have a little bit more together now i'm not saying this is a complete thing that a lot of people do because sometimes it's reversed they they put yeah. on for the people within the house <laughs> yeah, and for the people outside of the house it's a different story yeah. you know, they know so the nice. real you so it's this notion of kind of like dating versus getting married mm -hmm. it's like oh you know which one are you doing and you mm -hmm. have these sort of two personas so I'm wondering though is it still maybe a viable question to ask that should we be keeping some things in-house Mm. pertains to handling things that are we're going through internally versus putting it out there for non-believers that would maybe push them away from the faith. It's sort of this, this notion of what Paul says about trying not to do things that would trip up those that are weaker in the faith. Right. So, yeah. you know, talk about that tension. Yeah, I think that that's uh like that's of the utmost importance. Like for instance, like with my students, right? Like I worked with college students and they turn 21 in college. And so they're usually in their junior or senior year. And, you know, I believe in drinking responsibly and unto the Lord and in the name of Jesus. So, you know, say la. So with students though, um, I wouldn't drink around them, right? Because I think that you know, at that age, you're still learning to possess your, your vessel for glory and honor, and you're still learning your limits. And I wanted them to be in the position to where if they went too far, they could come to me. Or if they had an issue with drinking and didn't want to go into those spaces, that they could come to me. And so while I really enjoyed alcohol and um, having fun with friends, like, that was something that I, I said, you know, it's probably not wise to do this in front of my students. And I think like in that moment, you're exercising your freedom 
to love as opposed to your freedom to indulge, right? That's the beauty of freedom. Like I'm free to drink or not to drink depending on what's loving in the situation. And so like what's cool about that is like my students, they loved when they graduated because every time a student would graduate, the group of them would graduate, I would have them over and we'd have a glass of wine. It was kind of this rite of passage, like, all right, you're out of school. Like I'm not your staff worker, I'm your friend now. And like, so I think in that way, it's like thinking about, what is wisdom right now? And and guess what? Like, I think if we're asking the question of, of what is wisdom right now, then that means that sometimes we'll get it wrong because we just get stuff wrong. But wisdom in those moments is to, to recognize it and go back and change those things and, and make it right. In terms of the transparency, letting people know what's really going on, like, I feel like the church, like, again, I love my brothers and sisters, like we're family, right? So, uh, dysfunctional, but family. And, uh, and I think, you know, when you think about this thing of like, are we real with each other? I don't know. Like, I think God's been working on me when you, you use the dating and the marriage analogy. And to me, like the transition from dating to marriage is like the transition from transparency to vulnerability, because they're not the same thing. You know, when you go from transparency to vulnerability, you're giving up control and you're making yourself hurtable. And I think that it, it's really easy, especially for people who are, are good leaders or articulate to convince people that they're vulnerable when really they're just being transparent. <laughs> but transparency has a level of control. Like I can choose what you know about me and I'm still, I'm in control of this, right? The vulnerability is being like, whoa, you got blindsided and that hurt and I can't hide that. And I didn't know that was coming. And so I think, I think that that's a beautiful thing we could model uh, for the world because like there's hardly anybody that loves vulnerability because we're so fearful of each other and scared that I think like vulnerability is what you see in Jesus, right? Like the most invulnerable, I mean, you're God, you have no beginning, you have been worshiped your entire existence and you come to earth and you walk in sand, you might get sunburnt you take a nap, you might get stung by something, you might get a stomach ache, like, you know, you get tired, you, people abandon you, they talk about you. It's just like God choosing vulnerability as the, the deepest way to show love. I think that is the way that we can communicate his love to the world as well. Like, and, you know, Brene Brown, she's out here making these millions off of that, you know? <laughs> like, telling you. I'm but it's like, dang, you. why did it take Brene when we have, like, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, yeah, Philippians too, you know? But I think, like, Brene's the bomb, though. Shout out to Brene Brown. Yeah, she's the bomb. She's my life on a regular basis. Me too. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that there's something that she's, she's on to a really spiritual truth about what vulnerability can do for us and how, how much dignity it could bring us. Um, but it is risky. And I think when we're thinking about those tensions of sharing who we are, I mean, if we can do that with each other in the church, then I think it creates a more beautiful um, dynamic to the world for those who are outside of Christ because they want to be vulnerable too, right? You know, that's a universal longing. Definitely. And you talk about sort of the sensitivity nature of it all. And I'm wondering in this tolerant world that we live in, do you think we compromise our faith sharing too much for the sake of sensitivity towards others? Yeah, I think that that's possible just as much as it's possible to be so intense because we're afraid that if somebody has freedom, they'll make the wrong choice. It goes both ways. It's about this fear and this control. Like, I mean, I think there are ways people are like, well, if I if I'm too religious, this person might not get Jesus. 
But if I'm too open, then this person might think the wrong things about Jesus. (laughs) And really, it's not even up to us. Like the Holy Spirit changes minds. Like we don't have the power to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of brings me back to Corinthians and what it says, the whole notion of planting, watering, and waiting. You know, we plant and God grows. And so the, like you said, the onus and the burden is not on us. I'm merely co-laboring. I'm merely just being available while God is stirring. And Absolutely. I'm already just partnering with the work that God is already doing in the world. Absolutely. And so it, it really is that notion of, hey, we're just going step and step with this thing. Yeah. I'm not the savior. I'm not the one. Absolutely. Make the end all be all call for your life and your decision, yeah. your choice. Yeah. All I'm doing is merely a being in a reflection. Absolutely. I ask that question because I often find myself in an interfaith setting, oftentimes as a chaplain, being cognizant, being aware of sensitivities of other cultures, other Mm -hmm. beliefs, other faiths, knowing, hey, when to use a certain term, when not to use a certain term. But sometimes that can kind of lead me in in a direction to where, gosh, I just really want to be so direct in this one manner. And I'm I'm kind of myself being non-linear in a lot of ways and (laughs) that now being counterproductive in my now sort of being a little less unrelenting in in the pursuit of what I'm with the real purpose of all that sort of uh that 116 unashamed kind of thing am I just (laughs) just kind of by falling back too much into the the sensitivity factor of culture much I think there's a tension there as well when it comes to faith sharing, especially in an interfaith setting, mm-hmm. uh, when you're trying to be aware of the people mm-hmm. around you. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. I was at a Habitat for Humanity. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about how we clear the path for black students, visit us at www.subcultureinc.org. Grace and peace.